0: and welcome back to another episode of the empowered birth podcast. Today I'm so excited to start off this new season after maternity leave. I had my fourth baby, a baby boy, and I'm just coming back. What a better way to start than by interviewing Petra. She is a mom to four kids. She works as a doula, birth educator, advocate for VBAC, and is a mindset coach in Central Valley, California. And she works as a mindset coach. She's really ambitious and she loves to help women shed their fearful skin to strengthen their authenticity and empower them not to only become healthier mentally, but also to have the birth and postpartum journey they've dreamt of without letting fear hold them back. This was a powerful powerful interview she being a VBAC 3C mom herself had a powerful story of advocacy and just the beauty of birth when you take hold of your fears and you put them in the right spot which is under the feet of Jesus and you you replace the lies of truth it was amazing I'm just so excited To share this episode with you. Before you do, I just want to thank all of you. I know it's been such a long break, but I'm so happy to be back. And if you have caught up on all the episodes and if you found any one of them helpful it would be so amazing if you would leave a rating and review and just to help out the podcast I have a Patreon account and that really helps get new episodes out and you'll be one of the first to get access to new things such as this new ebook that is coming out so I would love to have you support the show for any amount over on patreon.com slash Podcast. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Welcome to the Empowered Birth Podcast. I'm Allie McLean, registered nurse, home birth doula, and former feminist. My mission is to guide you into the freedom that is God's design for femininity, birth and motherhood there's a movement happening of powerful women uniting around finding out god's best for us you're going to find information here that you won't find in your basic childbirth education class you'll hear stories of women and birth professionals who are experiencing the redeeming experience that birth can be you're going to get all the information you need to confidently navigate your way from pregnancy to postpartum and beyond are you ready to go on a Holy Spirit-empowered adventure? Then stick around. You're exactly where you should be. Hi, Petra. Thank you for coming on the show. I'm so excited to talk to you about your story today. You have a powerful story, VBAC 3C mom out there. So I know there's some women out there who are like, man, I would love a back, but I've had too many C-sections and it's kind of. I know for moms that I've talked to with multiple C-sections, they just feel like they don't have any options. So I'm really excited to talk to you, hear your heart, hear how you help women, and we're going to dive into that mindset today and fear and all the good things. So if you don't mind taking a second and just introducing who you are, what you do, and then we'll hop into your story. That will be great.
1: Yeah, of course. And thank you so much for having me on. I'm always so excited to share my story. I became a doula. So I am a birth and postpartum doula. And I became a doula after I had my vaginal birth after three C-sections. It lit a fire in me. And ever since then, I have been helping women to work on their mindset and to kind of release those fears that come along with having a vaginal birth after one or more C-sections. And I just enjoy this work so much because it helps people feel like I do have an option and I don't just have to listen to what my doctor says. That's not the only way to go. So yeah, we can kind of dive into that a little deeper. Yeah.
0: I'm so excited. It's So true though. Like you really have to have a calling to this work. It's like a light that gets lit under you and then you just can't stop talking about it. And I hope that this is going to ignite some lights as we're talking, because I know there's women out there who like deeply desire this and not a lot of women are doing it. So can we start at, I guess the beginning? So You had three C sections. Could you just walk through like your decisions on how you chose what you chose with those first three?
1: Of course. So I had my first daughter. She's 18 now, which still feels really weird to say. (laughs) But I was actually 16 when I had her. So I was a teenager and I didn't prepare for birth. I just thought, well, birth is natural. Everybody does it. I'll just know how to do it, which of course, Birth is natural and our bodies know how to do it. But when you're put into this hospital setting, I didn't realize there would be pushes for certain interventions. So I ended up having a C section due to failure to progress. And I was in labor for maybe, I want to say it was like six or eight hours before they deemed me failure to progress because I didn't go past a four, four centimeters. Um, For
0: eight hours, you were in labor. And then you were a failure.
1: Oh boy. Yeah. And I had overheard my OB. She was saying she had to make it to some dinner and she actually was talking about it throughout my C-section. So that was quite annoying. But anyways, so I ended up having a C-section and I didn't realize it then, but it was quite traumatic for me and I never dealt with it. I felt very disconnected from the birth. I was very drugged up as most of us are in that situation and... So, you know, there was that disconnect and I wasn't as emotional as I felt I should be having a baby. So anyways, fast forward to 10 years later, I had met my husband, my now husband, and we had a baby and I had another C-section because I had placenta previa. And I didn't realize that could be a factor or an effect from having C-section. So I did end up having a It was a partial previa, but they never told me that it had moved by the time I was 35 weeks. Oh,
0: my gosh. Did they say how close it was or they just called it partial?
1: They had never told me and I never asked because I didn't realize there was, sure, you know, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, measurements. So mm-hmm. she had just said, it's dangerous. You know, you can't have a vaginal birth because I had voiced that I wanted a VBAC. Oh. And she said, we don't do that here. I don't support it. So we're just going to do another C-section. And like I said, at 35 weeks, they had done another ultrasound because I did spot a little bit. I had just very literal drops of blood Mm -hmm. and they were like, Oh no, we were having the C-section like next week, you're going to have your baby. So I had her at 36 weeks. And then four years later, I had my third girl and it was actually just a repeat scheduled C-section. And that was because I didn't educate myself and Mm. I did not realize I could have a vaginal birth after multiple C-sections. My doctor said, it's dangerous. You're going to die. Your baby's going to die. We just don't do that here. It was the same doctor that I had previously. And so I didn't realize I could change providers. Yeah. Yeah. And so I ended up having a scheduled repeat C-section at 39 weeks And every single C-section I had there, it was traumatic for me in Mm -hmm. different ways. And it might not have looked like it from the outside, but inside I felt just so disrespected. I felt very unheard. I felt like my voice, my choices did not matter. And all the choices were made for me. I didn't feel a part of the process. And so, yeah, it was very disconnecting. And after that, I actually decided, because we decided on another child, and I decided I didn't want to go through that again. And I, okay, so the first reason was because I was like, I'm going to have a two-year-old. I don't want to have a major surgery, because it's major Mm -hmm. abdominal surgery, and run around after a two-year-old while I have a newborn. So that had started out to be my reasoning. But as I dove deep into VBAC research, I was like, oh my gosh, I can do this. Like, (laughs) there's no reason why I can't have a vaginal birth. Okay. So we decided to have a fourth child and I just decided after that, I did not want to go through another C-section. It had started out because I didn't want to run after a toddler After having a major abdominal surgery. Understandable. Yeah. (laughs) And then as I dove really deep into VBAC research, I realized that I could do this. And it was going to because a lot of people talk about how it's very healing to have a VBAC. And so in my mind, I was like, this might heal the birth Mm -hmm. trauma that I experienced. And So I just really dove deep into it and my providers kept telling me, you're going to die, your baby's going (sighs) to die, and this is irresponsible and we don't support this. And so I transferred my care to a different provider. I actually changed insurances as well so that I could see a provider that was supportive after two C-sections. And I went to them and they still were not supportive of me. And I was like, you know what? I just really honed in on myself. And I just told myself, I have to be my own best advocate. I just have to put all this fear aside because I'll be honest, I was scared. Oh, yeah. Because they were making it seem like I was doing this detrimental thing that was going to just ruin my life. And I really had to sit down with my husband and talk about it and talk about what they're saying the risks are, what my research is telling me and decide if, you know, we were going to move forward. I knew I was going to move forward, but I really wanted my husband to be on board. Sure. So we went forward, and he support he normally supports, even no matter how crazy my ideas or whatever might sound to him, he supports me one thousand percent, so good, yeah. So I went forward and I went to every appointment. Sometimes I would leave that appointment in tears because just I saw a different doctor every time because my mm-hmm. regular doctor refused to see me after well, I told her I was having a V back.
0: Was this the doctor that was like, okay, with C-section or two C-sections that you had transferred to? Right. But, but then every time they're changing doctors. Yes. Like to avoid liability, I'm assuming.
1: That's what I'm assuming too, because I literally, after I told her I was having a back and nobody was going to change my mind. I saw a different doctor for every single appointment, and every single doctor kept telling me the same thing every Mm. single appointment. So I really had to figure out how to work on my mindset so that I could block all that out. And I did a lot of things, to be honest. (laughs) So I did fear clearing. And one of the things that I did to clear the fear one of many is I just wrote all my fears down, no matter how silly they might have felt or sounded to say out loud. And I just put it down. And then I went with my husband and I said, this is what I'm scared of. And I want to talk to you about it. And so we would talk about it and it's like, well, what is the worst thing that can happen? And so we would go through and talk about, okay, this is the worst thing that could happen. What are we going to do if this happens? So we had this game plan and I had this internal game plan like, okay, I'm not going to worry about it because if this does happen, this is what we're going to do. And I took that list and I said it out loud to myself and looked at myself in the mirror while I said these fears out loud. And then I felt like this release from them.
0: Well, that's where radical responsibility comes from. Like the responsibility comes from knowing all of your options, knowing what you will do if the worst thing happens. Not everybody wants to go there because that's scary. Like our brains can come up with the worst case scenario, but how are we going to handle that? Are we going to handle that by putting that responsibility on somebody else to satisfy our fears, to tell us what to do if the worst thing happens, or is that going to fall back on us and our spouses so I love that you did that that is so incredibly helpful
1: yeah it really was and then after I did that I took that paper and I literally set it on fire
0: oh my gosh I did the same thing really I totally did with my first home birth I wrote out things and I burned it
1: yeah that's powerful
0: like it is yes yes
1: yeah. And My that's gosh. how I felt after I did that. Yes, I felt this weight yeah. like lifted off of me and I felt so much better going forward. And I would write down these affirmations yeah. and I would literally, and it feels kind of awkward at first, but I'd literally look at myself dead in the eyes, in the mirror and say those affirmations to uh-huh. myself. Like, I am powerful. My body can do this. My body was made to do this. My uterus is strong. And just like all the things, there were so many different ones, you know, whatever I would come up with that felt good to me, that's what I would say. And that I feel like really helped affirm that what I was doing was right. And there's so many things that I did, but I want to kind of fast forward to the birth because yeah. it was amazing. Okay. So I did go into labor. I had prodromal labor for three days. And I, once it started, I was like, oh my gosh, this is really happening. My body can't do this. Yeah. I was so excited. And I also did hypnobirthing. I didn't mention mm-hmm. that. So I felt really at ease and calm. With everything that was going to happen, however, it was going to unfold. And I was laboring for those three days. So that was kind of hard. It does take a toll on your psyche because labor starts and then it stops. It starts and then it stops. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh my gosh. So I did have an appointment after those three days of laboring, and it was my 40 week appointment. And they had asked if I wanted my membrane stripped. And at first I didn't want any interventions. You know, I was like, I'm going all natural. I don't want anything. And once I had gone through those three days, my plan kind of changed a little bit. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay with it. So they did do the membrane sweep. And after that, oh my gosh, it took us 20 minutes to walk from the doctor's office to the car, which should have been a five minute walk. If that. Oh. So I was in active labor, like there was no stopping it from then on. I labored at my house for about, that was at 10 a.m. And it was until 5 p.m. And I did have a doula and she did come and I had back labor and like labor in my thighs, which I didn't <laughs> know that was a thing. <laughs> So I needed hands-on support the entire time for every contraction to do those amazing hip squeezes, because that was the only thing that was helping. So I did hit transition, and it was about, I think, 5 p.m., and I didn't know it, but my doula knew it right away. I was uncontrollably shaking. Mm -hmm. I was sitting on the toilet, aka the dilation station, and she's like, you're in transition. Just." go with it. And once she said that, I just let all my primal like instincts go. Like I was really giving into it. And somebody did, I heard a couple of times people were like, well, let's go to the hospital. When are we going to the hospital? Uh, And I was like, shoot, I kind of want to have an accidental home. Yeah. But I didn't, we ended up going to the hospital and when I got there, I got checked and I think I was like nine or 10 centimeters. Yeah. How was the ride in the car there? Oh, actually, it was not bad. I was on hands and knees the whole time. It was like a 10-minute drive. Okay. But when we got in the car, my my contractions, they actually eased off. Mm-hmm. So I think because I left my amazing mm-hmm. birthing cave at home, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. My body was like, Oh, what's going on here? This isn't as, I don't feel as safe. So I think that's why they eased off because I was doing really good. We were laughing in between contractions. Like it was beautiful. I felt so there was never a time where I felt like I can't do this. Mm -hmm. Never once. I just felt amazing. And Once we got to the hospital, it was like, it was quite annoying. They were like, change into this gown. And I was like, I brought my own. I'm not changing into your gown. But then it was like during a contraction. And they were like, just do it. It's policy. And it was really annoying. But I reluctantly agreed because I just wanted to shut him up.
0: Mm -hmm. you got to pick your battles. I mean, that's the reality of it. That is hard.
1: Yeah. But to preface like this story if I had a redo, like I would just give birth at home. Like Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even have stepped foot out of my house. But anyway, so we're at the hospital and I was laboring really well, but you know, they give you this barrage of questions. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my gosh, it was, I was like, can't you all like, just leave me alone. But once we did get into a room after like the triage or whatever, it was just like my nurse, my husband and my doula. And we were changing positions frequently and it was just perfect. It was perfect because I was able to feel empowered how it was very different than how I felt with any of my other births. I just felt like at that point, like I was in control because I was able to labor how I wanted to until a certain point. And it was like when I was ready to push, I felt the urge to push and I was in the bed because we were trying different restful positions in the bed because the only position that I was comfortable in was standing, leaning over the bed. And they were like, we want you to rest because we don't know how long this is going to take. So I was in the bed and I was like, oh, let's get the squat bar. And they were like, oh, we don't have it. I was like, oh, shoot. Okay. And they're like, let's, let's just put the bed in like a throne position. So, you know, the throne position where you literally look like you're sitting in a throne. And then I was like, I got to push. And so I just like, I told the nurse and so she checked me. I don't even know if I, I don't even remember if I consented to that, Mm -hmm. but when you're in the throes of labor, like all those little things, you're not really trying to think about. You're just trying to focus on one surge or contraction at a time. Mm Totally. And so after that, I did start pushing and then everybody rushed in because I guess the nurse made it seem immediate to the staff. And I guess he was right there because I pushed five times and he flew out.
0: Oh, wow.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it was beautiful. I cried. I like, oh my gosh, I was uncontrollably crying. I thanked God because, and I didn't mention that, but I was very in tune with talking with not only my baby, but with God Mm -hmm. and really connecting those two and just really trusting. Mm -hmm. There's so much trust in the unknown Mm because there's a lot of unknowns and I put a lot of trust in that. So I was thanking God because I felt like he had a huge hand in that. Yeah, And my husband, you know, obviously he was there and he was like, super happy. He's like, I knew you could do it, you know, like, cause, and uh, when I set my mind to something, I go like 1000%. That's (laughs) Um, Yeah. I
0: had a question. So when you walked into triage, Mm -hmm. so you're no doctors were supportive of you at this time. So when you walked in, did they think you were having a repeat c-section like were they prepared for that or what did the doctors say that you could come in at a nine and labor and push out a baby vaginally did you have to fight for that or how did that work okay and now it's time to share one of my sponsors with you After my first birth, which ended in a traumatic C-section, I started researching literally everything, including things that go in and on me and my family's body. I started getting rid of everything, first starting with cleaning products and then over-the-counter meds, but makeup has been the hardest thing for me to replace. It seems as all the natural makeup is in powder form, and with the type of covers that I like, it just was not cutting it. That's when I found Araza Beauty's all-in-one coconut cream foundation. This foundation actually improves my skin while providing sun protection and of course, even coverage. With a dewy finish, almost like a BB cream, it's perfect for everyday wear. Plus it's packed with ingredients like jojoba oil, probiotics, antioxidants, and zinc oxide, which provides SPF 28 coverage. I also love that Araza Beauty is a woman owned and dedicated to giving back to victims of domestic violence. I feel great about supporting this company, which makes its super luxurious makeup even more satisfying. Now, I recommend with starting with the foundation, see what I did there, foundation. <laughs> you won't regret it. Just to make it easier for you, Araza is giving my listeners a special discount of 15% off. So go to arazabeauty.com and use the code EMPOWEREDBIRTH at checkout.
1: Yeah, so I fully anticipated going in there ready to fight. My husband said he was ready to fight for me too. And so once we did go in there, it was like no big deal. Wow. Once they saw that I was, I can't remember, it was nine or 10 centimeters. They were like, okay, well, I guess we're going to have a baby. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Like I was not expecting that at all. They were so supportive. And afterwards, everybody kept, I felt like a celebrity. (laughs) because all the nurses kept coming in and they were like look this is the girl she came in and she only labored for two hours and had her v-back after three c-sections and yeah so it was it was quite funny but um
0: I mean what a testimony because I remember going through nursing school and being with a nurse and she was like oh yeah that lady is having a v-back and like it's not going to go well (laughs) you know and that was my first exposure to v-back like it was some crazy thing. So I can only imagine what the nurses thought when you come in having three C-sections and have a baby vaginally. I'm sure they were absolutely shocked. Yeah. What a cool testimony. I love that. Why don't you go into like more of that mindset? And I know faith is important. Like you were praying and like talking to him about how was that for you? I mean, there's just so much like thinking back on my journey, it's hard to really articulate and talk about every single thing you did to prepare your mind, because really it's not something that is easily duplicated because we all are at a different kind of mindset. We all have different fears. And so it's not an easy thing to just, yeah duplicate. But I want to hear how you did and what that journey was like for you, because I'm sure it's affected every part of your life, not just pregnancy. I know it has for me. So I'd love to hear more about
1: that. Yeah. So, and everything you just said hits it right on the head. Like, I feel like this journey for everybody is different when they're working on their mindset, because everybody has their own way that they deal with things, and that stems from their childhood, how they were raised, how they were treated, and then in pregnancy, it's like how you're treated by your doctors, how your doctor talks to you, and if you've had previous birth experiences, what that birth experience was like, because I also did, and like you said, there's so many things to talk about that you could have done. Cause I did, I feel like I did all the things. Yeah. Like I went back to my previous births and I thought about them so that I could deal with them. I wanted to be able to process my previous experiences and think about what I did and did not want to happen. So that coming into this experience, I had a clear set of rules or whatever you want to call them, On how I wanted it to go, how I wanted it to look like, smell like, like I literally visualized every single aspect of this birth. I thought about the feelings I would feel once I pulled that baby out of me and put him onto my chest. And I literally dreamt his birth before I had him.
0: Oh my gosh. I feel like we have gone on such a similar journey. I like, as you're talking, I'm like, yes, yes, (laughs) yes. Like I literally had a dream about my first home birth that how she was born in the towel. I even got her name. I'm like, when you are so tuned in and when you're really doing the work to fix your mindset, oh my goodness, there's such clarity. There is such peace and I know that's your heart for women so how do you work with women I would love to hear no you said you got a fire lit under you and you're like I'm gonna help people so what does that look like for you
1: Yeah. So I have to also say, like, I've always been obsessed with birth, Mm -hmm. uh, especially since mine didn't go the way I thought it would. I've just always loved hearing about women, you know, and their birth stories. So I knew that I wanted to do something in birth. I actually started to go through a nursing program so I could work in the maternity ward. But very shortly after starting that, realized it wasn't for me and that's not the way I was going to be most beneficial to serve others. And I didn't know where I should do that or where I fit in to do that. So I, after having my fourth child, which I wish it was sooner, wish it would have happened sooner, but you know, just, that's just the way things happen. Um, But after I had him, I was like, a doula, because I didn't even know what a doula was before that. Mm. I found a doula during my fourth pregnancy because I researched all the things that would help you have a successful VBAC, and that was one of them. So after I had him, I literally went four weeks after I had him and did a doula training program and became a doula. And so I wanted to support them in birth. That's how it started. Now I really focus on kind of like being a mindset coach Mm -hmm. for women, because I feel like that's one thing that a lot of people overlook. Like we look at all the tangible things like a doula, like all these birth affirmation cards that we can hang, which Mm -hmm. all of those are so super valuable depending on the person, because, you know, everybody has their own kind of love language or, you know, thing that works best for them. But We don't really focus on the mind. And that is so important because if you're bringing trauma from previous experiences into this new birth, that's going to spill over into that birth experience. And you might not think so, but something might trigger that. And you're going to be instilled with all this fear and you're not going to trust yourself and you might do all the things that you said you didn't want to do because you didn't deal with that. So I really hone in on helping women specifically when they're planning a VBAC. So I actually created like this workbook and I go over this workbook with like my VBAC clients and I have them write down all their fears And then ask them kind of like, where are these fears stemming from? Are they from movies? Are they from your family members, your friends? And then we work through each one and talk about what's the worst thing that can happen? How can you prepare your body or your mind to try to avoid this? If it does happen, what are you going to do? And we just go down this list of everything. And a lot of times... It helps them think about things that they didn't think about before. And I feel like that is so important to just work through all those past fears and figure out where they stem from,
0: yeah, no, that is so powerful because I just saw something at our church the other day. He had our pastor had done this cartoon graphic of, anxiety and how anxiety works. And he described it as like, you're in an ocean and there's a riptide and this riptide, when you get in that riptide, that's lies. And so the lies are just grabbing at you and you're being pulled along because you're in that lie and a riptide. If you swim against it super hard, like you're not going to get anywhere, you're going to keep getting pulled out. But if you kind of like rest and release and you'll kind of slide out of that into what is true. And so that's, what we do, especially as mindset coaches, it's like, okay, we have this fear that's leading to anxiety. So where, what is the truth? Right? So that's what you're saying. Like, what can you control? And if it does happen, what is your responsibility in it? What are your options? And kind of reminding them too. It's like, we're living in the here and now you're worried about something that hasn't even happened yet. And you're letting that control you. And Mm -hmm oh my goodness, how powerful is that? So what you're doing is so important. And I just keep thinking back to like doulas, they're so important. And like the hands-on at birth, the women supporting women, it is powerful. But there is something really special about sitting down with somebody who has been there before you and releasing your fears to them, help releasing your birth story, your trauma, getting that out. So what you're doing is so powerful and so important and really needed. And I can see it being like such a great team. So you have your doula, who's really great at kind of being your support person, your, your, your person during pregnancy and birth. And then you have your other, your mindset coach who can come alongside you and kind of go a little bit deeper than a doula can sometimes. Is that kind of how you see it working like team wise?
1: Yeah, and I do both mm-hmm. and I feel like it's so important not only for V-back moms either. Oh, yeah. Like even if it's your first. Like I talk to so many moms and the first thing when they come to me about coaching is fear. And what are they scared of? The unknown of tearing of their doctors, making them do things they don't want to do. So working through those fears, whatever they may be, like, it's so important. And it is, it's a team effort. It's not just me and the mom. I like to get dad involved too, because I am not there to replace the dad. I feel like I'm just like, I'm there to help. (sighs) how can I say it? Like build that connection deeper. Like I definitely don't want to replace dad. I know a lot of people feel like doulas replace dads, Mm -hmm. but no, that is so far from it. Like I want, that's an experience that I want them to remember. I mean, they are going to remember it for the rest of their lives, but I want them to remember that connection, that deep connection between them because that is priceless. That is something that, you don't get a redo on. So yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I, it is so neat to see the connection that is built between a mom and a dad during the pregnancy, because when she feels safe to express her fears and the husband feels safe to just be in that fix things, (laughs) there is this trust that is built in a way in a, in your marriage that doesn't happen any other time. Like it's a trial, like to go through pregnancy and to get closer, to go through birth and to lean on one another, it's to lean on your husband. Like that is, Ooh, that is powerful. I know our marriage has grown deeper and deeper each pregnancy and birth that I have And it carries throughout our marriage. It doesn't just stop at pregnancy and and birth, which is beautiful. So you're not just a mindset coach. You could be like a marriage
1: coach too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I didn't think of it like that. But
0: yeah, you can start marketing yourself that way. That's great. Yeah, (laughs)
1: definitely. And I think a lot of that stems from my own experience, because in the beginning, I did not include my husband Mm -hmm. because there was not that... I don't know. I didn't see that. So I just thought that's the way it was. And especially since I had C-sections, you know, it was just like, well, he just walks in and sits next to my head and that's kind of as far as it gets. But with my vaginal birth, oh my gosh, that was just the touch and the connection (sighs) and him empowering me. It was just so freaking beautiful. Like I will never forget that experience. And I want that for others.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It can be so beautiful. And I know when you have experienced something so life-changing and so beautiful, you're just like, when you hear people talk about labor or talk about, you know, things that are going on in their pregnancy, you just kind of want to step in. You're like,
1: ah, like it could be so amazing. (laughs) Exactly. I know. And it kind of, I mean, it really bothers me the fact that we have to do such deep dives in order to figure these things out. I'm like, why is this not just mainstream? Why? Like I talked to a mom the other day and she was like, I didn't realize I had a choice. And she's like, I just thought I had to do whatever my doctor says. And I'm like, I've been there, girl. Like, Mm -hmm. I get it. It's almost like you feel like they're an authority figure. And personally, I felt like I was almost like a student in school. And I couldn't go against what the teacher was telling me to do, what to Mm -hmm. do, you know? So it's like, oh, my gosh, we need to get break out of that. And we need to, like empower women so they know like your body can do it. This is your body and your choice. And even your doctor can make all the suggestions in the world, but ultimately it's your choice.
0: Yeah. And the powerful thing about that is when you start breaking away from people telling you what to do and breaking free from the perceived authority, that's not really an authority. It impacts things that you believe outside of birth and it impacts other systems that you start questioning and Mm -hmm. so it doesn't just stop and I think part of the reason why it's not mainstream is because this is just how our world is built like it's built on authority telling us weak-minded nobodies Mm -hmm. how to just live our lives and when you break out of that and you're like hey I have autonomy. Like I have the ability to question things and to do what I feel is right. According to my belief system, like you might be getting into some deep things that
1: they don't want you to. But yeah. that's
0: just my thought on I agree. why it's not mainstream.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm totally on board with you. Like, and like you said, it's not just about birth. It spills over to other aspects totally. of your life completely. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm
0: not the same person I was seven years ago. Yeah. No way, I no agree. way. And I'll never go back. And mm-hmm. it's not easy. And I think that it scares a lot of women. Like, Ooh, I don't want to push the line here. I it is easy to stay until listen, but it doesn't ever feel good because it's not where we're supposed to be. So pushing back on that and then having somebody like you who can come alongside them and be like, Hey, it's okay. It's okay to question exactly. and just give people permission to talk about their trauma and to talk about some things that they've been holding onto because there's nobody safe to talk to. Like that's powerful.
1: Yeah. And that's why I would love for anybody to connect with me. Like, it's not just about the mindset coaching. Like, if somebody just wants to talk Mm -hmm. because they feel like they're alone, because I felt so alone in this journey. I had like a handful of people that supported me completely. That was it. And I felt very alone. I had nobody to talk to that understood what I was going through, or I felt that way at the time. So, yeah, if anybody wants to connect with me and just talk about it, just let it out. You want somebody who understands. I will be there for you. Like, that's what I'm here for.
0: Yeah, this is a perfect way to end. So how can people connect with you and find you? And
1: yeah, so I am very present on Instagram. So name of my business is Birthing Come True. Um, so there is an underscore between each word birthing underscore come underscore true so you can find me there or my website uh, birthing come and I would say the best way to connect with me would be on Instagram send me a DM. And yeah, like I have so many amazing things coming up. I have a workbook for VBAC and releasing fear. And then I know you talked about your ebook. I actually have an ebook coming out too. And it's A VBAC ebook, Mm -hmm. and I have a childbirth education course that's VBAC specific that's coming out in the next couple months, too. So, so many exciting things. Oh my gosh. I just want to put all these resources out for people so they can just get them. I just want to get them out there to people. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So powerful. Well, thank you. Is there one last thing you would like to leave my listeners with some bit of advice or something that has impacted you?
1: Yeah. I just want to say, like, you can do it no matter what anybody says. If that's what you want, do it. Because there will always be somebody saying what they think you should do. But ultimately, the one that's going to live with the decisions you make is you. So yeah, just do what feels right to you.
0: It's so wonderful. (laughs) Well, thank you for coming on. I so appreciate it.
1: Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I love this conversation. (laughs)
0: wasn't that an amazing, amazing interview. I just loved speaking with Pedra. It was powerful. And the truth is we are surrounded by lies when it comes to birth. And it's hard and messy to kind of walk through what is true, what is false, what do I have control over? And sometimes you just need help. And we just can come into birth with a lot of trauma, a lot of things to work through. So what a better way than working with a mindset coach. And Petra is a wonderful lady to do that with. So if you want to connect with her, I'm going to put all of her links in the show notes and you can have access to her and all of her resources. So make sure you go connect with her. And thanks again for tuning in to the Empowered Birth Podcast. We'll see you next time. Stay empowered.